Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Brent Perkins. He is president at Science LED. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in kind of the technical side of cultivation and the work they're doing really with innovating on kind of the technologies we put into growing cannabis, processing cannabis. So I'm excited to have this. I love talking with people who are taking a technical, scientific approach to things. I always love to geek out on what we're learning about how we can uh, really drive production, drive innovation in kind of agricultural science on the in the cannabis world through technology and, and through science. So I'm excited to, to have this. With that, Brent, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. So why don't we talk a little bit about background first. What was your professional background? Tell us about science in terms of the work that you're doing there. What was the history? How did cannabis come about? Give us the backstory. Sure. Yeah, I've been with science for right at three years now. Uh And before that, I spent almost a decade in uh, medical device world, although pretty specifically in the biomechanics world. So all about looking at human movement. Uh And it's interesting. It's it's clearly very different from the cannabis space. But at the end of the day, the the goal of what we were doing was monitoring human performance. So whether that was from a physical therapy aspect, like if you, you know, had a torn ACL and you were recovering, 
or you were an Olympic athlete and at the Olympic yeah. training center, you were trying to tweak that extra one, 2% to get you, you know, that much better. Um, or you, you know, unfortunately had a neurological disorder like cerebral palsy or Parkinson's just to help you survive and cope in this world. Yeah. And it's interesting how that technology and, and the goals of that technology actually align pretty well with the goals of especially the medical side of cannabis. Interesting. So this is the, the I, I'm envisioning, um, you know, people in lycra suits with all these colored balls taped over their body, trying to moving around, getting cameraed. Yes. Yeah. So that's yeah. one aspect of it for sure. Uh -huh. We were uh, developing more device based uh, aspects of that, but the, the end result was the same thing. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, so what was the connection? How do you carry over that, that technology, that science, that domain into cannabis? Uh, so one of my best friends who I've known since I was about 10 years old started a company in the early 2000s called Rigid Industries Lighting and uh, or LED Lighting. Uh -huh. And they kind of pioneered the LED light bars that you see on Jeeps and off-road vehicles 15 years ago. Yeah, sure. And um, as they ushered that into the world, and really their claim to fame was around optics. So, you know, LED kind of sprays light in a 180-degree pattern. And when you're, you know, you're driving, whether it's just off-roading and you're rock crawling, which that kind of light spread works well, or if you're driving in the Baja 1000 Got and it, you're going yeah. 100 miles an hour, you need, to, you need to focus the light differently. And they used and patented optics to do that. So they sold that company to a division of Penske um, around 2014, 2015, and they t kind of carved out the agricultural side of things, the horticultural stuff they were working on, because it just it just didn't fit into Penske's portfolio yeah. of what they were trying to do. So, in 2017, we were having a glass of wine with our wives, and um, he was kind of two years into development, and you know we were discussing how out of a 50 person company, he had 48 engineers. And while they had, yeah, while they had some, wow. yeah, while they had developed some amazing technology, they didn't know what to do with it. And my background's in sales and marketing, and I've been a sales and marketing executive. And, you know, I was giving him some good ideas and coaching him. And at the end of it, he said, you know what? Do you just, should we, should we work together? <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know? I think you just sold yourself a job. Yeah. Uh, you know, inadvertently. And the best kind of salespeople do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really wasn't trying, but you know, we kind of stepped back and said, wait a minute, that, that's impossible. We're too close to friends. And we looked at our wives and they're like, actually, you know, we would allow that. To, I mean, you guys yeah. would be perfect. Yeah. And we said, okay, let's, let's ask each other in the morning when the wine, you know, is kind of gone. <laughs> And uh, they re, you know, they affirmed it, and uh, we were off to the races. So I love it. I love it. And so, as the sales marketing person, where did you see the opportunity? What was kind of like what was firing for you in terms of ooh, we could do some stuff with this? Like, what? Where did you see that? You know, going back to that connection with the biomechanics company I was running, that's where I saw so much synergy in terms of technology that needed to have a story told to educate yeah. the market in the same way. And, you know, Science LED needed the same exact type of support and help to educate the cannabis market. Mm -hmm. So while it's a different message and it's a different topic, it's the exact same style so it took somebody who understood technology and how to translate that into, you know, meaningful ways that, you know, that makes sense to the market. Yeah. And I always find with these things where it's, well, this technology could help everyone, you know, not necessarily everyone is ready for it. How did you identify kind of that the early adopters or the folks that were with that had 
you know, that the problem was big enough and solving it was valuable enough that you could go in and, and really kind of push early adoption with? Like, how did, how did that play out? So the early adopters are actually easy to find um, because they're pretty loud, pretty vocal. Um, they're actually seeking you out constantly. So I knew mm-hmm. that if we put the right message out there, they would kind of come to us, and they did. And we spent a lot of our first two years, really, in 2018 and 19, not trying to sell to the general public. You know, we had about a million dollars in sales both of those years, knowing that we weren't going to make any money on it, and we're probably going to overspend just supporting this group because you know the early adopters are high touch and they like their handheld and they like to feel special and important. But we also knew if we did it right, we could get a lot of feedback and a lot of market knowledge. And what did you learn? I mean, I'm curious, as you started to interact with customers, what what proved true? Like what in your kind of mental model and your kind of the way you envisioned this playing out was like, okay, great, we were right. And what parts we were like, ooh, we totally missed that. So I think we were right in terms of the really three pieces we were bringing to the table, which are let's bring optics to horticulture. Let's put the power of spectrum tuning in the grower's hands And then let's usher in wireless because that's this internet of technology, this IOT, um, Mm -hmm. it's coming. So why not have it in horticulture? So those three things proved true. What didn't prove true and where we had to actually go back and rework our lights from the early stages were really around um, how they're used, the flow of the app in terms of how you controlled it, what pieces of those, uh, the nuances of it, really proved out to be relevant and important. And then also, once you start working with the actual plants, um, things get crazy pretty quick. <laughs> this is not a, uh, you know, this is not an engine that does something in the same way every single time. I mean, plants yeah. are organic and you, there's a lot of variables you have to control for. So, yeah. And how, I mean, I, I guess I, my kind of mental model of cultivation is lighting the rays, the UV rays and the, the different spectrum rays that you're giving the plants are just one of a series of factors. How do you play with or combine with the other factors inside of a cultivation setup like to get the results that a grower is trying to get? I mean, give me a sense of how, how you consider, connect, or, or integrate with some of these other systems? Sure. I mean, you're really talking about you know, these environmental factors. So you've got your medium you're growing in, you know, whether mm-hmm. that's different types of soil or cocoa or rock wool or hydroponically or aeroponically. Then each of those takes a different type of nutrient regimen. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your, your light. And, and I guess you really have the overarching environment, you know, which is your VPD, which mm-hmm. takes into account temperature and humidity. But you balance those four things together and they all have a push-pull effect on each other, you know. So if you've got a certain type of LED light in a certain spectrum, but you're growing in cocoa and you're running the room at a the lower end of the VPD, the nutrient uptake is going to be different. And we don't have the answers, you know, in a textbook to all of these, yeah. you know, all these questions. So yeah. a lot of it's been trial by error. And that's what we tried to do for the first, you know, two plus years of our business, which is, hey... Let's work with a lot of different early adopters that use yeah. everybody's environment is different. And let's take a lot of notes and let's reference, you know, published articles on cannabis and non-cannabis. And how do we bring this together? So when we do launch, which we did in late or early 2019, how do we have at least a prescriptive manual, you know, that's semi-subjective, but based in, um, you know, in science as well, too. 
Yeah. And, and did you, I'm curious, in, given that you're sort of dialing in or you're providing a particular kind of control and type of lighting kind of facility, did you find that there are certain types of cultivators or certain types of environments, formula or, or conditions that your capabilities, I'll go with the pun, shine in? <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. At the end of the day, we've seen success Almost everywhere, it almost always comes down to is it comes down to who's ever the ultimate person, whether it's your master grower or the director of the facility or whoever it may be that is either switching to LED or willing to dive in and, you know, play around a little bit with how to maximize, you know, these types of lights in their style. Because the good news is, is the lights can really work with anybody's style, but you just got to be open and be willing to say, hey, I don't know everything and yeah. I'm going to learn and I'm open to it. So, And what are the variables? I mean, I, I'm curious in terms of, you know, like how do the different styles, like how to use the lights differently? Like, what, is it about you know, intensity, spectrum, uh, timing, angles? I mean, what, what are the... What are the things that end up being kind of the key variables that, that people play with? Sure. I mean, part of it starts with what's your facility look like? You know, do you have high ceilings? Are you doing a single level grow? Are you multi-stacking in, you know, two or three levels, whether that's in veg or in flower? You know, that's where the variables start from. And then from there, it, it really kind of stems from the medium. You know, what you're growing in is a huge factor. And it's not talked about enough out there. But each type of medium either contains or drains nutrients in different ways. The uptake into the root systems are completely different across all those. Some, you know, hydroponically, you can push these plants so much faster, but it goes sideways on you quickly, right? Yeah. Where cocoa is a very common medium to grow in and it's pretty safe and pretty forgiving. But then we get into what's, you know, what are you trying to do? Are you going for bag appeal? Are you going, you know, are you a, are you a hash producer and you don't care about bag appeal? You just want the terpene and cannabinoid profile maximized. All of these outcomes can be adjusted for with your spectrum. So give me an example. Hash producers absolutely want maximum trichome preservation, right? Because that's where everything they're going for is contained in. Well, If you run a heavy red light all the way through the end of the the cycle, you're going to see trichome degradation. And that won't matter in bag appeal. And in fact, sometimes it gets you what everybody talks about as frostiness, but it doesn't get you the actual, you know, lab data of the high cannabinoid and terpene profile. Yeah. So so it's really, it's timing, (laughs) timing specific as well. Of course, of yeah. course. Yeah, I'm curious. If, I mean, as how much do you know about cannabis? You know, you know, scientifically, you know, agriculturally, culturally, socially. You know, going into this, and how much have you had to learn as you've gotten into this business? I mean, culturally and socially, uh, you know, I'm I'm 42. I, I grew up with it. I went to college in northern Arizona, which is a pretty granola small city yeah. um, in the mountains, and it was it was pervasive everywhere, and uh-huh. all our friends grew it. From a medical standpoint, I had not really researched it or stepped into it at all. And from an actual agricultural standpoint, I was a I was a novice stepping in for sure. Yeah, yeah. And and how? What has been your best source of knowledge? Like as you, because I I know a lot of people that have gotten into the cannabis space from these adjacent industries, and they they may have had personal experiences with it. But as they get into the sort of the business of cannabis, they've really had to learn the ropes. And I'm just kind of curious, what has been good sources of knowledge? You know, where have you kind of learned the ropes, and and what might be helpful for other people in terms of you know they're looking to gain more knowledge about the business? 
Yeah. You know, I've had to piece together a lot of stuff. You know, coming from that biomechanics space, you know, our customers were universities. And I think we, if you, if you went to Google Scholar, I think there's 10,000 references to the, our devices within peer-reviewed journal articles. And in the cannabis space, there's, I mean, a handful of peer-reviewed published articles. Yeah. So it's going and looking at, you know, there's a, obviously a ton of good work by very experienced agricultural scientists like Bruce Bugby, but very little of it is is directly on cannabis. And we're starting to see that shift, but there, you've got to take bits and pieces and say, okay, what makes sense here from a, like a foundational level that I'm reading in this article and how do I apply it to give myself a starting point in cannabis, not saying that this, whatever the results were on these tomatoes or these cucumbers, I can't one-to-one port them over yeah. and make it work in cannabis. Yeah. But there's fun- it gives me a starting point. Yeah, there's it fundamentals. It yeah. There's fundamentals. So doing a lot of uh, research and honestly educating myself and um, about a year, year and a half ago, we brought on a director of cultivation, and this guy spent his time at the uh, CSU, Colorado State University, and he's a soil ecologist, and he has been a, a breath of fresh air in terms of really educating me on some foundational stuff as well, too. So, And do you find, the other thing I'm curious about is, just from a, like, a, how do I say it? There are many people coming from very mature, developed industries with standard ways of doing things and protocols and standards and all this kind of stuff. And then they get into cannabis and it's like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> it's kind of wild rest. You know, right? We just, we haven't been around that long, right? And so there aren't those kind of norms, those standards, the bodies of work, the things. And, you know, sometimes it's great. It's like, okay, well, we can be a driving force here. Other times they're just kind of fish out of water. How have you, like, give me a sense of where you've kind of found, like, hey, well, this, I'm used to things working in a particular way and we just didn't have this in cannabis and we had to kind of figure out how to make it up or we had to deal without it. And how have you seen kind of others? Because you're, you're a fairly scientific, you know, engineer kind of person coming into a space that, you know, doesn't have a long legacy of, of that kind of uh, thinking or that kind of approach. Yeah, it's it's been interesting, you know, whether you're talking about the you know, the cultivators we're working with or actually, you know, the business side of cannabis. This industry, this family, this community does not function at all like any other businesses. And there's times where, you know, you just want to pound your head against the table and say, you know, (laughs) there are rules. Like we go to business school and are taught this stuff and it's just different. And it's, you know, I've come to make peace with it and it's okay. But what I've learned more than anything is that even when something is published or it's researched that is still not enough people need to touch feel try prove it to themselves yeah. or their best friend that they they ultimately trust mm-hmm. and that's okay and we've built systems around how to do that and how to provide that level of comfort and support and um you know just showing that what we've put forward is authentic you know yeah and, and on your kind of innovation and production side of things where have been sort of the big challenges. I mean, I, I always, you know, cannabis is a quote-unquote growing industry, right? It's great, but it can also put sort of stress on companies in various ways in terms of, you know, either having to, you know, pivot quickly or, you know, push R&D very quickly or actually just production, you know, getting facilities and being able to produce at, at, the, at a high level of capacity quickly, you know, if things are really kind of taking off. Have, have you had any kind of particular challenges or insights around that side of business? Of course, you know, if you look at some of the early LED companies, and uh, I won't name them, but there are there are some that were considered, you know, the higher quality, the better, the better ones out there. And you know, 
if we're talking about a light that covers a four by four area, just just for reference, you know, there are some companies that had lights, you know, over two thousand dollars. And while we thought about those price points coming to the market, we realized that's just not sustainable. And even though our technology was really some of the most advanced out there, it just wasn't going to work. So, I mean, a huge challenge, especially as a startup, you know, three, four years ago is how do you make very skinny margins on a product that's still priced, you know, high in the market, but nowhere near those super high prices? And get people excited about it and believing that you're not ripping them off when honestly, like our margins were were not survivable in the early stages. And they're yeah. they're still really low because we want to stay competitive mm-hmm. and we're packing a ton of technology in and our lights aren't just made in China and shipped here on a container. It's been a big challenge with how do you bring technology to the market, make it affordable, and stay alive as a company. Well, and how do you see that playing out? I mean, is this, are we in this just kind of grab market share mode as a cannabis world? It's just be, it's, you know, it's not about making profits right now. It's about just staying, you know, staying top of the game so that you can get the market share and then later convert this into profitability or how, I mean, just give me a sense of your kind of where you think the market's going or the industry. Yeah, there's some truth to that. I think that may be in some ways a, a VC or PE backed company's philosophy just to, to get sales revenue million numbers up and potentially just sell off. And mm-hmm. we, we're self-funded. So yeah. at the end of the day, self-funding still only There's lasts, <laughs> it only lasts so long. Yeah. So we do have to be at least break even, you know, and profitability can come down the road. And we do have that mindset because we want to keep pushing pushing this forward and getting this technology into everybody's hands. Yeah, my argument is always if the best investment of your profits is back into the company because you're going to get the best return on them there, then do it. If not, (laughs) put it into the market (laughs) or invest in something else. So it seems to be continued to be the case. Like the best use of your surplus revenues or or surplus profits are going to be to to just reinvest in things. And where have been the big investments? Is it around marketing? Is it, I mean, it sounds like you've you've done a lot of work already on the sort of technology R&D. Is it talent? Is it facilities? I mean, where do you see this investment really kind of going right now? Yeah. So even though we've come this far and have the products we do in the marketplace, the biggest spend in our company is still in engineering. And it's just a continually evolving process. You know, going from early stages, just one example, where our lights have always been spectrum tunable, but in the early stages, you had to sacrifice power. So if you had a 600 watt light and you wanted to pull out a certain color, you're going to pull out that wattage and now you have a 450 watt light. Interesting, yeah. Where today and where we're at with three-fourths of our products and we're almost there 100%, we will be before the end of the year, You know, we now have what's called full power spectrum tuning where you've got the ability to shift spectrums all across you know, this PAR range and you don't ever lose power. So to develop that technology, which we're the only company doing it and it's patented now, it took a lot of resources. Yeah, but we sure. realized that's that was one of the things we learned is, yeah, I love spectrum tuning, but I don't want to sacrifice power because now I can't grow as fast or as strong. Yeah. And so that was a big learning point. In terms of marketing, we did not build a, a massive sales force. That's a very expensive tactic. Oh, yeah. And especially with, as we already talked, people trust other people they know in this business. We've really built a solid network of trusted advisors and um People can go out and just, you know, we have what's called our research squad. So it's a group of about 20 different individuals or companies that 
don't necessarily get free product from us, but it's a joint uh, development where they share what they're learning and we share and get, they get early access to stuff. And they're massive advocates for us. And they talk about us on when they're on podcasts because they're all influencers. And we've yeah. really pushed a lot that way. The other thing we've done, if you go to our website, you know, people miss or they underestimate one, the power of websites and two, what they cost. You know, you can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't yeah. just go throw up a good quality website for $5,000. I went back for uh, just kind of shits and giggles the other day mm-hmm. and was going through what, you know, what did we ultimately spend on our website? And if you count my time and my team's time developing the content for oh, it, yeah. plus what we spent with, you know, the you know, the marketing agency Artists developing it, yeah, exactly. yeah. we easily have a $300,000 website. Easy. Yeah. Maybe more. Yeah. But if that's a you know a key tool for generating leads, you know, helping close deals and everything, that's for you it, spend it, yeah, ten times that on a sales team. <laughs> Absolutely. And we look at it as it's a twenty four hour cross between a salesperson and an educational, you know, a teacher. Yeah. And th- that's invaluable. And I mean, where do you see this cannabis market going? I mean, there's lots of different kind of cultivation strategies at this point, you know, people doing everything from outdoor grows, greenhouse grows, these, you know, in, indoor, you know, controlled environment situations. I mean, how do you see, you know, kind of the science of cultivation playing out given where the market's going and, and the kind of products that people are trying to, you know, develop and what we're trying to, you know, put into the dispensaries and get into people's hands? Yeah. So we continue to see a lot of vertical environments put you know put together right now it's i think it was a big push a year or two years ago and it, it just takes that long to get you know get financing and yeah. and get these facilities built so there's a there's a lot of vertical facilities being put in place but if you look at like cannabis business times just put out their state of the industry report for 2020 it's interesting when you look at the statistics that more and more people are actually moving to greenhouse or a hybrid greenhouse uh with some with some indoor for propagation And outdoor growth is growing as well, too. So at the end of the day, this industry is about sustainability. And the sun is the most sustainable thing we can bring into these grows. So being able to have a greenhouse that maximizes that free energy, I don't see how the world in the future doesn't go that way. And where we're even though we're going to see over the next year or two different kinds of indoor, completely indoor, non-sun-based facilities, I don't think that's the long run. Yeah. yeah. With the economics work right now, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it, seem it doesn't make sense. But there's some really cool stuff we can do. I'll give you uh, another patent we actually don't talk about, but it's kind of one of those those future things that we're holding on to. Yeah. So if you've got a, a spectrometer looking at the the spectrum of light coming into the canopy of a greenhouse, we can feed that data back into a computer system or we will be able to. It's not available today. And if it's a cloudy day and let's say the clouds are blocking um, some part of the spectrum, right? It will feed that data into a database and then the supplemental lighting that greenhouses have, if they're using one of our lights, would only turn on the missing spectrum, so that wow. the plants still saw a consistent spectrum throughout that day. It's like the opposite of noise canceling earphones. <laughs> That's a really good analogy. Yeah. So yeah. there's some really cool stuff coming in the future, and we're just trying to pay attention and listen while you know providing a you know a value and a service in the meantime. Yeah. And where in terms of you know big things come up, if you look down your strategic plan next couple quarters, next year or two, where do you really see? You know the demand. Where are you focused on in terms of providing product? Types of customers. Give us a sense of where you see the industry going. Yeah, I, I think the next 
honestly, two years is going to be focused on how to play with light or to adjust light to maximize um, what we're getting out of these plants. And kind of going back to what we talked about in the very beginning of this conversation, which is I think we're getting past the age of, hey, how many pounds per light or how many grams (laughs) per watt did you get? Because honestly, all lights are getting efficient enough, getting good enough that you're going to get within this range that's acceptable. And then from there, it's, well, what can I do without having to swap bulbs or buy different types of fixtures and move them around? How can I play with this and get, look, I'm running a, you know, I'm running a, um, you know, Gorilla Grew or I'm running a Blue Dream or I'm running a Land Race cultivar. And each of those need something different and they need a different type of light and a different nutrient regimen to get the most out of what that plant can express. So what I really see is, is that especially in some of these larger facilities, they've got their R and D room and they're tweaking and playing, you know, for two or three cycles. And then they've already got the lights in their facility to say, okay, look, this round change the recipe in the light to this because we're going to run two cycles of, of this cultivar. And then right behind that, whoop, dial in a new recipe, same light, nothing gets changed. It's just a computer program, push it out because we're going to now run this cultivar because that's the flavor of the month. That's the other thing we're dealing with too is consumers are fickle in this industry. Yeah, yeah. They want different products in different times. Yep. Things get popular, trends. And if your facility, especially on the lighting side, which is arguably one of the most expensive investments you have to make, if that is malleable, if it's flexible enough that literally with a push of a button on your phone or your computer, you can change it. That's power. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Uh, this has been a pleasure. Brent, if people want to find out more about you, more about science, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, our website's an amazing resource. That's Science LED. $300,000 website. Yeah. Go to the $300,000 website. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's S-C-Y-N-C-E LED. Or we're on Instagram, which we have a, we actually have four accounts, but uh, our main account is at uh, Science LED. So... Follow us there. Uh, I will. Uh, I will make sure that those uh, URL and the handle for your Instagram is on the show notes, so people can click through and get that. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. I love geeking out a little bit on these kind of corners of the cannabis industry, and you've been a great guest. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Bruce. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.